We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. You are about to participate in a great adventure. I'd like to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Uh, this is a terrific turnout and appropriate given the quality of the work that we've been seeing this year. is just amazing. We've got so many we got 25 great poems for you to hear tonight. How many places can you go to and get that? That's pretty darn good. Uh, we're going to be hosted this evening by Bellingham's own Kevin Murphy. And uh, I think most, most people know Kevin already from poetry circles, from co-op circles. Uh, he's been performing poetry for some 35 years. You wouldn't know it to look at him. He's the author of A Beautiful Chaos Demands Energy. And also a poetry CD, uh, Between Onions and Oxygen. I think both of those are available at Village Books. Am I right? Half of them. Half of them are available at Village <laughs> Books. Uh, he's rumored to be closing in, uh, be close to following up both of these with some more work. He regularly performs on the Chuckanut Radio Hour. We get to hear that on our own radio station. He's toured the Pacific Northwest and beyond as a member of the new old-time Chautauqua. He teaches poetry through the fabulous Whatcom Juvenile Justice Creative Writing Program Project. If you don't know anything about what they're doing there, look it up. You need to see what they're doing. These, this is a serious effort to uh, help some people that are to turn them around. So Kevin has had his poetic license revoked in some 48 states, but he is still legal in the state of Washington. Therefore, we're allowed to welcome him to the podium tonight, Kevin Murphy. Thank you very much. It is great to see everyone here. Now, the results of this year's uh, contest confirm what many of us have long suspected, that when it comes to writing poetry, children have an unfair advantage. There are 14 kids among the 25 winners. Uh, the Boynton Committee is looking into ways to level the field in upcoming years. <laughs> and on a related note, there have been rumors that some of this year's Adult winners uh, falsified their entries and withheld their grade level uh, to gain sympathy and so that their entries would be judged in the less competitive bracket. Uh, the committee is looking into these rumors as well. If there are to be penalties, uh, they will be announced at a future date. In the meantime, I am very happy to introduce Jan Pearson. Jan Pearson has a blood connection with Sue Boynton, the namesake of the contest. She is a native of Bellingham and a freelance writer. She is the author of 17 books, holds a BA in psychology and criminal justice from the Evergreen State College, and she is a former writing instructor with the Institute of Children's Literature. Jan's most recent release is the... Calamity Creek Mysteries, which is actually a series of six books for young readers set in the San Juan Islands. Uh, Jan spent her childhood summers in the family cabin next to her grandparents' cabin. Her grandmother, Sue Boynton, kept the soup on and the stone fireplace stoked to make her memories almost perfect. Please welcome Jan Pearson. Thank you so much. 
it's a, just an honor to be here and to bring a little bit of my grandmother to you tonight. Because after all, this is the Suboynton Poetry event. And you might want to know, and in three minutes, I'm going to tell you. Let's hope I pull this one off. A little bit about Grandma. Susie Boynton came to New Whatcom before it was Bellingham in the year 1906 to marry her husband, Dr. S.R. Boynton, who had set up his practice in Bellingham amidst the brothels and saloons, and that was in 1903. So I have an amazing heritage and I am just so excited tonight to bring Sue Boynton to you. Not only does she live on in her poetry, but she lives on in me and all of her children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Because in the year 1982, she left us. She was at the ripe young age of nearly 98 years old. But it was her time to go. But she didn't leave us completely. I see a neighbor over there. <laughs> she didn't leave us completely. She still lives on. And tonight, someone came up to me and told me a story. And I won't tell the whole story because, of course, she couldn't either. But only to say that in a time in her life when she was so down, she picked up my grandmother's book, Heart on My Sleeve, her book of poetry, and it touched her life and affected her life in a powerful way. And it touched me because it says to me and to all of you that your words and your gifts, your poetry, can touch many lives and already is. And some of you are here tonight because you're truly winners. All of you who have won are truly winners. And you're already touching other lives. And your poetry and your life will go on and on. And it doesn't have to end ever. So Grandma Sue will never end. I love her dearly. I think of her all the time. And I quote the last of my most favorite poem, which she wrote when she was close to my age in her 70s. And I, I know the committee will not ever get tired of this, right? <laughs> but it's, it's a picture of life. It's a picture of grandma, but it's a picture of what we all need to remember. And the poem is called Too Busy. Well, this business of growing old bothered me once when I was 55, but now at three score years and ten plus five, all fears concerning age have gone, and I'm just glad to be alive. To be alive and find upon the table of each new day a brimming cup, a challenge to go on. So, I've stopped growing old, too busy growing up. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. I'd now like to introduce our esteemed judges this evening, uh, Jean Yeasting and Kayla Barber. 
going to say a few words. I'm going to uh, say a few words about both of them, and then they will come up each and say a few words to all of you. Uh, Jean Yeasting is a writer and visual artist. She teaches creative writing and literature at Western Washington University. Her most recent publications are poems in Cirque and Mojave River Review. Kayla Barber holds a BA in English from Western, as well as an MFA from, in poetry from the Northwest Institute of Literary Arts. He has been widely published in such journals as Fulcrum, New Orleans Review, and the Los Angeles Review. Uh, the title poem from his first book, Beasts and Violins, was featured in the Best American Poetry 2009. Caleb lives in Bellingham, Washington, where he works at an aerospace machine shop. I'm, I'm pretty sure that poetry is not rocket scientist, but if it turns out I'm wrong, at least one poet is going to make the cut. Uh, so anyway, please welcome Jean Yeasting. Hello, I'm delighted to be here, and it's so good of you all to come out and support the amazing poets in our community. When I was asked whether I would be one of the judges, I was so thrilled. From the very beginning of this contest, I just thought it was something very special for our community, and it really honors the courage, the wisdom in all of us regardless of our age. And when we were looking through the batch of poems this time, there were so many amazing poems. They just opened my heart. They made me smile. Some of them made me want to cry. They were just so filled with passion and life. And I loved them all. It was hard to choose. But I want to salute everybody who entered. It takes courage. It takes making yourself vulnerable. It takes a willingness to share your words with everyone and to touch them. And I'm sure you're going to be delighted by what you hear tonight. Enjoy. Thank you. Hi, my name is Caleb Barber. Uh, I got the poems right before I took a vacation down to Cannon Beach with my daughter and my parents, and uh, it was a lot of fun reading the poems, <clears throat> listening to the waves outside the hotel room. Uh, I found myself drawn to the poems with arresting images and uh, unusual language, more so than others, and I'm looking forward to hearing them tonight. Thank you. Okay, so now we are going to get into the Merit Award winners. And uh, you poets, uh, come on up here and uh, first read your poem, and then after you've done that, you can take your copy of the poem away, the, po the, the copy that's right here. Um, but stop over by the judges, and uh, one of them will give you a, uh, a book and a uh, certificate of merit or something like that. <laughs> so first we are... Honored and pleased to have with us Charles Walker, who will read his poem, A Star Vanishing Away. Charles Walker. A 
A star vanishing away. A pilot flew a plane made out of nickels, it, and it flew like an ordinary plane. When it flew far enough away, when it flew far away, it looked like a star vanishing into the clouds. I don't know if this is true, but it might be. All right, good job, Charles. Now, please welcome Hazel Lobber, who will read "What Is Turquoise." Hazel asked me to read this. What is turquoise? Turquoise is a shiny car. Turquoise is a tiny bit far. Turquoise is a bright pen that can write with a hen. Turquoise is pretty shoes that you can never lose. Turquoise is Neptune, but only on the moon. I mean, it takes bravery just to show up. Let's face it. The next poem is "Shoots," and here to read it is the author Karen Vandebosch. Thank you. Um, thanks for being here. And my last name is you were close. It's Vandebosch. Just so you know, for later. Um, shoots. Sloppy, wet flakes fall on tiny emerald spikes, standing confused by spring-like temperatures. These first bulbs are early up in the lasagna pot. They keep a low profile, as if trimmed daily by a fussy barber or mother trying to get it just right. So premature, they need worrying, babying, coaxing, so they can forewarn the others who still sleep soundly, unaware the seasons have started to shift. Hyacinth are optimistic, but cautious, leading the way. As usual at the Sue Boynton Award Ceremony, we get to hear a poem by Angela Belcaster. This year it is Weeding Goosefoot.
Weeding Goosefoot. I am weeding in my sleep. Goosefoot this time. I have to look it up when I wake. Kinopodium. I'll start over. Is that better? You bet. <laughs> weeding Goosefoot. All right. How's that? I am weeding in my sleep. Goosefoot this time. I have to look it up when I wake. Kinopodium. It really does resemble the sweet leathered foot of a goose. How many times I've knelt, brown-kneed, supplicant positioned, then ripped them out of the ground. Tricky, this weeding business. They bite back some. The ones who seem to know the stutters in my immunology my 107 Achilles heels. Truth. We are appalled by each other's strangeness. Me walking about, searching for the next unmatched thing to rip out, they wanting nothing more than dirt, sun, and mercy. Thank you. Please welcome now Heidi Kenyon, who will read Delivering the Fruit. Thank you. Delivering the Fruit. I am up to the shoulders in raspberries, both arms thrust under the bird netting, like a lab tech under a fume hood a vet turning a calf. The science of nature sings in serrated leaves, the globules of each berry round like the droplets of blood the briars raise on my bare arms. A fair trade for tart fruit. The brambles rustle, a riff of breeze. There need be no other sound. I heard that fewer people than ever before read poetry. I understood this travesty in the raspberries. Their lives are too fast. I will hang my poems up by the thorns on the canes, write them in berry juice and in jam, leave them for the birds to eat and spiders to tread on. The slowness in this place is as worthy a reader as any. Please welcome now Eric Lockridge, who will read, At dawn, I stare down a raccoon from my back porch. The tallest fir behind my house hides many dark abodes. One morning, a masked bandit shuffled out onto a limb. There in the bronze light, our eyes met. The ancient hulk of shadow and needles bowed him toward me. Pushed up by the lake breeze, a wisp of fog slipped between us. When it cleared, he had gone. I have not seen him since.
The next poet on the list, uh, Owen Davis Bauer, is not here. Uh, reading his poem, Four Squares, instead will be Kayla Barber. Four Squares. Racing through the cool, dark forest, four gray wolves take chase. Four squares are all I need, advancing one by one. It was just then Percy stood, his father's tides collapsing behind him. A woman with ambition stood four years ago. She looks to run again, considering the poles. A small plane must be taken, the small, cloudy island, lay destination. Thank you. Reading his untitled poem, please welcome Paul Little. A title would have resulted in too many lines. <laughs> you got to read all the rules. This poem has to do with something that happened before, I guess, am I looking around? Virtually everyone in the room was born, so I should say it, it was a sad event in the history of the lives of, of uh, men, women, and children of Japanese ancestry living on the West Coast in the spring of 1942, and about a surprising uh, connection with that event that I found in my own family history. Every spring, I see faces my high school classmates with names like Hayashi, Yoshikawa, Takahashi, Muramoto, Taramoto. Fully engaged in student life, popular, college-bound, though mute about the fire that had seared their families. Since college, when I first heard of the camps, I see my classmates as two-and-a-half-year-olds, entering a crowded train station, fascinated by the gathering of relatives and neighbors of shared ancestry, wanting to play, but restrained by elders, still stunned by the fury of the hate-fueled firestorm, awash in the ashes of their livelihoods, personal possessions, and community ties, blown by hot winds towards places and fates unknown. Decades later, a 90-year-old widow's memories add place and more faces to my vision. The train station is in Chico, California. The added faces are a Caucasian man and wife in their early 30s and their two-and-a-half-year-old son. The man, unexpectedly deputized by federal authorities, carries out his duties, registering evacuees, tagging luggage, loading, waiting train cars. His wife watches from the shadows and weeps, restraining her son who fidgets, asking unanswerable questions. The widow tells me that the federal man was my dad. The weeping wife was her. And the fidgeting two-and-a-half-year-old was me. Why did dad never speak of this? 
Why did my classmates never tell their stories? Shame and humiliation are first cousins. Sorrow has many faces. The next poem is Rock Dust, and here to read it is the author Thea Bouillou. Rock Dust. Rock on my windowsill, scratched and rigid, yet strong as can be. Wind flows through my window like a ghost passing through an open door. Layer of dust flies off rock and into the air. Dust dances in sunlight, light, like a ballerina on a stage. Another repeat winner. Please welcome Erica Reed to read The Synthesis of Happiness. This poem is after a poem by, written by Gary Wade, who's in our audience. Strangers are thickest in that part of the city that you learn to call home. Strangers are thickest in that part of the city that you learn to call home. The next one on the list, Natalie Markowski, reading That Time. time when I was watching a show and he wagged his tail in my face. That time I figured out my dog was a black lab, not a dog covered in dark chocolate. That time he saved me from a squirrel. That time I was playing fetch with him, that last moment with us. Okay, now we have Chloe Rhodes reading Ripples. Ripples. The creek flows through the ravine. Swish, fish swim. Tails swishing, splashing ripples, making the river move, churning, turning, as the cold water touches my hand, ripples everywhere. (laughs) 
I see how this thing works. Okay, the next poet on the list, Seth Friedman, could not be here tonight. So reading the poem, When Birds Could Talk, Jean Yeasting. When Birds Could Talk. The end is near, said the bird. It would appear so, said I, since birds have begun to speak. The sunlight seemed indifferent as the bird cocked its eye. Come to the river, it said. Why, said I, and which river? But it flew into the blue sky. It's hard to remember now. So much has changed. If I had known which river, I might have made it. If the bird had been more specific, things might be different. About one thing, though, the bird was right. The end came. But what he didn't mention, afterwards it goes on. What's it, you ask? Isn't it obvious, I smirk? The river goes on. And don't ask which. Now it is my pleasure to introduce Luther Allen, who will read Living on the Mountain. I want to thank the Boynton Committee for all the hard work they do. And I'm sure if there's anybody here that is inspired to join the committee and help them with all that hard work, they'd be very happy about that. So, Living on the mountain. I can't even begin to keep up with the slugs, nor minister to more than a few of the grotesque leaves of the big leaf maple in the fall. And I remain mystified about the survival of the blacktail and coyote and cougar during the cold, endless rain and sopping long nights of winter. The black bears, I am sure, winter sleep down at the casino, waking occasionally to gorge on fried chicken and that expensive craft beer, play a few hands of blackjack, warm and dry, grinning. And the last of the Merit Award winners is Lily Danka. Lily will read How Big. Please welcome Lily. How big? A football field is big, but not as big as Earth. Earth is wide, but not as wide as Jupiter. Jupiter's spot is round, but not as round as Saturn's rings. Saturn's rings are 
are hula hoops, but not in the in Milky Way is a bigger hula hoop. The Milky Way is big, but not as big as space. The sun is bigger, but if you think of better, bigger stuff like the Milky Way, the sun is little. Now we get into the Walk Award winners, and these poems, isn't it true, will be featured in the uh, out in front of the library, the Poetry Walk on plaques. And if you haven't been by there, check it out. You know, every year it changes, and there are always great and surprising poems to be found. Um, not very far off from now, you'll be able to see Nooksack by Rick Herman. Please welcome Rick. I don't know about you, but it's great to be introduced by Kevin Murphy. I'm honored. Nooksack. On the flood of the spring melt, this river mothers me, works her fingers into my bones, rocks me. Coming cold off the glacier, she closes her flashing eyes at night. Dreamless, cool, urgent. There are reasons to live, she tells me. Good reasons to stay alive. Now we have Lauren Carr. I am not a puddle. Welcome, Laurel. I am not a puddle. You aren't ready for me. I am too much person for you to just walk into without warning. I am not just a puddle you can walk in and out of. I am the entire ocean. There is no way you can ever fully know me. There are corners and crevices that will stay hidden from even the most experienced diver. There is a depth to me that will devour you and leave you breathless. You can't just walk into me and expect to come out alive. You have to prepare yourself for the hidden wonders and perils of my soul. You have to splash in head first, in awe of my entire being. There is no way a silly boy like you can ride the currents of my mind without a surfboard, and there is no way you can love me if you're afraid of sharks. Please now welcome Devin Zook, reading Mother. Mother. Halting at the first sight of danger like a school bus approaching train tracks. Advancing on new environments with the utmost amount of caution. Convincing yourself nothing is safe. Searching a way, searching for a way out of the trap that has only been created in your mind. Finally spreading your wings to take one leap of pure faith, conquering your fears and worries, carving a new path for yourself like a boat freely sculpting the water. 
You stare danger in the eye only to celebrate the fact that fear can be triumphed, offering your newly freed self to all who come near. The next of our esteemed poets, Annie Roth, who will read My Brother. Hi. Okay. Mine is My Brother. Conquer conversation as if one owns the world. Hunger for more gluten-free rice cereal in his bowl. Sleep is no longer an option when he has a girlfriend. Breathe heavy and passion for fitness. You abandon your plan with your family to be with a girl, be with a friend who puts you down. Applaud those who have just tried. Hide a smile as he lies for the 50th time about liking a girl in the second grade. You gaze at the stars as if they are $100 bills. Now, reading to Rizzy, please welcome Thomas Boyle. Rizzy, oh Rizzy, how I love you. Your face lights up my day. That smile of yours, ah, it's beautiful. Your eyes are diamonds sparkling in the midnight sky. Your fur is as soft as a new cozy blanket. Your big wet nose is as wet as a big puddle. You give the best alarm clock kisses. It makes you feel like a big black thing dropping oceans on you. I love it, though. Rizzy, oh, Rizzy, you make my day as bright as a hot sun. I hope you always remember, I love you, Rizzy. Great to have just a straightforward love poem, you know. <laughs> now we have Domino by Liam Kudyarov. Domino. Afraid of me? First time I see him. Try to get near. I can't get close. He's too shy. Grace likes the name Bruce. Mom calls him Domino, and he still bites me. He's a jaguar in a cave on a snowy mountain. Domino. Okay, Jessica Lan, who is the author of the winning poem, Little brother could not be here, so Jean Yisting will read this one. Little brother. Little brother, you tap dance loudly on our wood floor, wishing you were Fred Astaire. Wear Superman PJs, pretending to save the world. Climb up on my lap to cuddle, 
Stroke my hair with your soft little hands. Run away laughing as we play hide-and-seek, peeking through your fingers as you count to 100. Hug me like a koala bear when I come home from school. Sigh quietly in your sleep. Collect bugs and proudly show them off. Watch the birds at our feeder patiently, never making a sound. Write stories about your stuffed animals. Act like an angel. You're my precious little brother. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podium Cheryl Fear, who will read Clothesline Epiphany. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. I reached into the basket of wet white diapers, grabbed a corner of one and pulled it out. I clipped it into place. Then I reached into the basket and did it again. Like my mother before me and her mother before her and hers before her. A sudden strong wind caught the diapers, snapping them into the air. I watched them billowing against the blue prairie sky. I listened to their fluttering song. They sang a song of mother's love, of hands rubbed raw on washboards, a song of aching backs and arms stretched up as all that has been dirty is made clean and lifted to the sky. The whipping white strips of cloth sang to me of love's offerings hung out to dry. The next award-winning poet, and isn't it great that all these people are now award-winning poets? Doesn't that have a nice sound? Please welcome now Claire Stodola, who will read Ireland. Ireland, fresh sweet air, green grass, sheepdogs running on ancient land, fairy trees call me. And this brings us to the final poem, and it seems like 25 is not enough. It seems like we ought to have more winners, you know. But this poem is Wanapum Remorse. Please welcome Jacob Hartsock. Wanapum Remorse. She came west to find this 
Scattered shards of rock and waters held back. Two road towns abandoned in dust. The places her people might have gone. It was all blasted away, of course, parted out to cross the rivlets of Washington or worked slow from empty coolies, past skittish ghosts in empty towns, the people and the water just the same. Long nights she studied, in her eyes that undergrowth, that vagabond, that restless try of the historian working too close to her own history. On the last hot canyon day she did this, scampered to the water, wreathed in turquoise and neon sunglasses, dark arms overhead. Poet, fisherman, other, we all saw it. Saw her dance barefoot and bent to the wind, the dam flaking, the Columbia trying to move. Well, what a great diversity of poetry we've heard tonight. Let's, uh, if you winning poets feel like it, stand up one more time and let's give them all a big round of applause. Come on. I'd also like to recognize the members of the Boynton Poetry Contest Committee. The, the work goes into this contest all year round. There's, you know, this isn't something that just gets thrown together at the last minute. This takes the dedicated efforts of a lot of people, and uh, I'd like them all to stand up and let's all give them a round of applause. And this brings us pretty much to the end. Uh, here to say a few more words, though, is Norman Green. Thanks. I'm up here this year. Uh, Wendy's been really good about doing it for the last couple of uh, years. She's uh, co-chair of the committee with me. I just wanted to thank everybody for coming out and receiving the poems this year because it's really important. I really believe a poem is not finished until it's received by someone. So you're a very important part of this process. So Thank you all very much. Seriously. This year we tried something different. Uh, we have had the great good fortune of having Anita Boyle illustrate the poems for the broadsides for years now. And she had to give up this task because she's done it for nine years. Let's, let's face it, that's a lot of work. This year we, we uh, chose four artists they had about a week and a half to get inspired by your work, to create images and get them to us so that we could get them onto the broadsides that you find at the back. How many of the artists are here tonight? I see Matt. Who else is here? All right. So we've got two of them. Uh, you can see at the bottom of the broadsides which artists have illustrated which poems. So if you could take a moment and maybe thank them. I would appreciate it a, a great deal, quite frankly. Thank you all.
This is, if you didn't realize it, the tenth, the tenth Susie Boynton contest. After the fifth year, we released an anthology of the first five years of the winning poems. Guess what happens this year? We're releasing the anthology of the second five years of poems. So all of the poems that were here tonight will be included in the anthology, along with all the others from, what, 2006, I'm thinking? Something like that. And here's the good news that the committee doesn't know. Village Books has confirmed uh, an evening in September of this year. We'll be doing a book release. Everybody is invited. We'll send you emails. It'll be on the various poetry blogs, the fabulous Judy. Uh, Luther sends out uh, poetry-related uh, email blasts. The word will get out there. We will contact you and welcome you to come. Not everybody's going to be able to read. It's not going to be like that because we just don't have that many hours. But it looks like it's going to be, I believe it is Thursday, the 17th of September. Uh, save that date now. The book is going to be beautiful. It's a hefty little beast. And uh, and I'm, I'm so glad that uh, so many of you are going to be included in it. And some of you are going to be included in there again and again and again and again. And you know who you are. Again, thank you very much for coming out. Please pick up a copy of the chapbook if you'd like at the back. Perhaps ask some of the poets to autograph it for you. I think they might be touched by such a gesture. Thank you. Something. <laughs> <laughs>